Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn in the Office of Mission, Ministry, and Interfaith Dialogue at St. Francis College. My great pleasure to be back again with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as how to utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and a resulting outcome. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is a very special time of the year, the beginning of the month of December, when we start to think about possible changes for the new year. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. Her name is Jenny Blumenthal. Jenny spent 20 years as an executive in corporate America, counseling Fortune 500 companies on growth strategy and digital transformation. And she left during the pandemic pivot. She now coaches executive women to do their own corporate rehab and grow in their existing career or in a new opportunity. She is also the author of the very enlightening book, Corporate Rehab, Ditch the Hustle Culture and Thrive Again. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Jenny. Good morning, Greg. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this conversation this morning. The honor is really all ours. Kindly share with us from what city and state you are speaking from this morning. I am calling in from Washington, D.C. this morning. It's a sunny but chilly morning here. A real hotbed of activity, especially this time of the year. Oh, yes. Sorry to say, Jenny, we've only got 30 minutes. We could spend hours talking about you, your incredible background, this pivot that you've made, this awesome book that you've written. If it's okay with you, we're going to jump right into the deep end of the pool. Let's do it. Please tell us about your professional backstory especially how you came to found Corporate Rehab and write this wonderful new book with the same title, Corporate Rehab. Yes. Well, I was raised on a farm in the country, um, grew up with this really hard work ethic and uh, worked my way kind of up the corporate ladder over 20 years after university and going into some nonprofit consulting and then into consulting writ large. Then I, I wound up climbing that corporate ladder and I was really good at it. <laughs> I really enjoyed a lot of it. Um, all of that grit and ambition that I, I learned as a young child really worked well to my favor as I climbed the corporate ladder and began to run huge departments and lead huge groups of people. But there was this small voice in me for probably the last 10 years that said, I don't think this is exactly what you're meant to do. And um, as some of us who have been through similar situations know, sometimes it's easier to just say, shh, quiet. I'm, I'm busy building a career here. I'll get back to 
meaning and purpose later. Um, and so I silenced that voice for a long time because probably out of fear, out of not really knowing what I would do next. And really, as we all know, when that happens, that voice just finds ways to speak louder to you. Um, and eventually, as the pandemic hit and my kids were doing um, school at the kitchen table, my husband was already back to his job. It was almost like this 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 race of this hustling at work, hustling at home finally caught up with us. And um, and that voice said, that's it. You know, that we, you can't go on any longer. At that point, I was burned out. We didn't have that language in, you know, 2020, early 2020. Mm. Um, and so I just said, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I can't do this anymore. And I stopped and left my job. And um, and that's when the real growth began, I think. I was very successful in the, in the corporate world, but stepping off and trying to trust my own intuition and look for meaning and guidance when you're not following someone else's path was really scary. And that's really what led me to found corporate rehab for other people that were kind of wandering in the dark and trying to figure out how do they take this ambition that they have, but point it towards things that really mean something to them and recover from burnout or recognize when they're caught up. And what I found was a lot of the culprit was this hustle culture that runs beneath our society. And so that's really what I did as I I started by just taking all the calls from other, mostly women, but a lot of men who said, I feel the same way. I feel burned out and unfulfilled. Wow. And, you know, what are you doing? And so I documented the, my own process and actually captured 300 other women's executive stories about how oh they dealt goodness. with burnout. Um, and that's what gave rise to the book and to this leadership company that I'm now running. We are so blessed, Jenny, to have someone of your real today on Thank God for Monday. This great book, Corporate Rehab, I think you just touched upon it a little bit, but let's peel the onion if you don't mind. What are some of the real key messages you're looking to communicate in this great book? Yeah. So um, the main message is really that this hustle culture really keeps us hooked and it keeps us searching for value outside of ourselves and really, you know, going after ways to meet our very human needs of connection and uh, esteem and purpose in sometimes ways that aren't as healthy or really what we're meant to be um, to doing. And so th that really what is the whole book is about is how to actually return to yourself um, and shed some of the things that you might have been hustling and gathering um, that either uh, was covering up some pain or some emptiness inside of you. Um, and there's many ways we can get to that that place. And I'm happy to elaborate. But, you know, one of them obviously is spirituality. Others are really just, you know, kind of shedding these patterns that we use to cope with the world, um, whether you've grown up as a people pleaser or, you know, I don't want to disappoint anybody, so I'll never say no and I'll just keep on taking more assignments. It's really just getting to know yourself so intimately that you can make really intentional decisions. And it's a process on how to do that. Oh, fantastic. Certainly. And at the end of the show, we're going to give our listeners the best ways to get that book. No question about that. Now, you talked a little bit about work burnout. Share with us, please, because I know some of our listeners are probably going through it right now. They may not know that they are. What are some of the telltale signs, Jenny, of work yeah. burnout? Yeah, the um, the three telltale signs that are actually um, defined by the World Health Organization. Um, the first is exhaustion, where you're just completely exhausted and drained. 
The second is cynicism, where you feel like you're being sarcastic a ton, which, you know, somewhat is my sense of humor. So that one was a little hard for me to determine. Um, but, um, but it's really that you're cynical about the world, you know, in a broader sense. And then the third one is inefficacy, where you feel like nothing you do is going to matter. No matter how many hours I put towards this job, I'm never going to get promoted. Or no matter what I do, there's just more work tomorrow. So those are the three um, telltale signs. And I think the interesting part too, um, for listeners who are thinking about this or thinking of, boy, is this me? And I should just muscle through it. Um, the World Health Organization changed that definition in 2019, before the pandemic, before any of this. Oh, really? They did. And they added um, the addition of workplace stress that is chronic and unmanaged to the actual definition. So when you think about that, that means this is happening across our society. This isn't, if you're feeling like you're struggling with this, this isn't something that you have to go through alone. And it's certainly not something to just muscle through harder. 78% of all employees have felt burnout at one point. And right now, 50% of female executives are currently experiencing burnout. So it's a real thing um, and something that really needs to be addressed that you can't just work harder and work your way through sometimes. Did you just say 50%, did I hear you correctly? That's right. Yep. That's the latest figure, right? So that's just think about the amount of pain people are in when they're feeling this burnout, you know, and it comes from so many sources, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but, you know, you just feel like you're constantly on this treadmill and nothing that you do is going to make that change. And obviously that's very demotivating um, for people. No question about that. I want to peel the onion a little bit more on one of these signs, exhaustion, because I know in my own life, I had a 30-year career in the corporate big pharma world before becoming a Franciscan brother, and there were definitely times I was burnt out. I could sense that exhaustion, but there are naturally many, many other times where I felt real good about myself in the workplace, and there was a, an exhaustion, but it was like a different kind of exhaustion. Am I right, Jenny? There's there's a different kinds of exhaustion there. Help us differentiate a little bit, please. Sure. Yeah. Usually when burnout is diagnosed, it's all three of those symptoms together so that you know it's not just I'm running really hard to get this one project done and I'm tired, but then you know, as soon as it's done, I feel renewed. You know, it's this chronic ongoing um, piece oh, of it. So wow. I think that's one thing to really kind of keep an eye on. Um, and, and what is, I think, important to remember is there's nothing wrong with hard work. There's nothing wrong with hustling to get a project done or to get kids out the door with shoes on their feet. We all need that, right? But what we're talking about is when your burnout is that it's this constant pace of always on your, the hustle culture is asking us to be constantly productive and go, go, go and consume more. And so when you're caught in that gear, it's almost like, you know, a car that's in, you know, going too fast, but stuck with the gas pedal down, there's no brake, there's no ability to kind of start, you know, modulate that a little bit. And so that's really what to look for is that if you're always exhausted, if you're constantly feeling run down, a lot of times it's both at work and at home, or you don't have, wow. you know, time um, outside of work to kind of replenish. And that's when you really get depleted. Oh, thank you for that clarification. Now, some people may get upset that I asked this next question, but I really feel that I have to, if you don't mind. Sure. Are women more susceptible to work burnout? And if so, why would that be, please? Yes. 
Yes, I'm glad you asked that because that was one of the things I researched with the book because I wanted to make sure I was answering the right questions and really bringing data to the 300 you know, women's stories that I heard. I could tell you the stories and I could tell you the, the data behind it. Um, and just, for example, for the anecdotes, you know, I heard from women who said, well, I was just trying to get it all done and I didn't realize I was in burnout until I walked into the kitchen between Zoom calls to get a salad and I crashed backwards and passed out and hit my head through the drywall and my husband found me on the floor. I was so exhausted. Oh I mean, my I story gosh. after story of this exhaustion and, and burnout um, where our bodies are screaming at us to slow down and we're just powering through, right? So that was the anecdote, right? The, the data actually suggests that there are gender imbalances and they come across caregiving, they come across housework and they also come across office work. And so when you think about that, um, just from a take the home, for example, the latest data shows that in a married couples uh, coupling where what where both partners work outside the home, so they both have um, jobs earning income, the wife will put in 20 hours, the woman will put 20 hours more of caregiving and housework per week. And when you think about that, that's a that's a part time job. 20 hours. Yes. Yeah, so oh, my goodness. Um, Right. In addition to whatever her partner is doing. And so I think it's that's one big piece of it is that women are already burned out at home where there's pieces that maybe started early in a marriage that they haven't taken the time to rebalance or certain preferences that kids had when they were toddlers. And that's just the pattern we're stuck in as opposed to kind of re-evaluating that as they get older. So that was one piece of what the data said. And then the other is this um, this office housework um, that McKinsey had, had reported on where women get often off asked to do things that are um, are good for office culture, but aren't necessarily compensated. So they'll be asked to run a diversity committee or plan the birthday parties or, you know, all these oh, little things wow. that are wonderful, right? And, and, and it, it taken in and of themselves. But if you're trying to do that on top of logging the hours or oh, getting yeah. the deals, it can be a bit more of a burnout. So those are the two main pieces that I found um, on the external, what's happening in the environment. And then, as we mentioned before, internally, often women have, you know, mindsets and patterns that I work with them to try to change a little bit where you are a people pleaser or you were told that, you know, nice girls don't protest. They work really hard or, you know, don't have sharp elbows or all these things, you know, that, that, um, I'm sure well-meaning wow. people say, you know, and and then we grow up thinking, well, I can't ask for what I'm worth, or I maybe I'm not enough. Maybe this other person got this promotion because they're doing more. So I'll just be happy with what I get. And so you see a lot of that too, where women are working themselves even harder and not wow. realizing that they could put up some more boundaries around that. So those are the two main things that I found. Wow. Wow. Such great research you've done, quite revealing, no doubt about that. Now, you've shared with us about some of the signs, et cetera. What are some of the tips that have worked for you to overcome your own work burnout that we can all learn from? Please, Jenny. Yes. So, um, and I outlined this in the book. Um, so much of mine dealt with understanding, you know, why I was staying in this environment longer or certain parts of the work that was no longer was good for me. I actually outlined my tips in a framework that I named rehab because it was the easiest way to try to understand what I was going through. And the name corporate rehab became almost a joke when people said, well, what are you doing now? And I said, I'm trying to put myself through my own corporate rehab and detox from all the craziness. Um, 
But rehab really starts, it, it stands for R is recognizing your life and your patterns to understand the context for the values and some of the decisions that you've made. E is evaluate. So look at your relationships, your time, your energy, some of the, the habits that you have. H is heal across mind, body, and spirit. A is a rise, um, and that's where you get to add the fun stuff back of play and growth and these things that we do if we're not constantly hustling um, in our work. And then B is build, where we put that um, for recovering overachievers like myself, we put that in a roadmap so that we can say, who do I need around me to hold me accountable to some of these changes and what's realistic for me to shift in what time frame? So those are the things that I would say. Um, if you, there's tons of tips included in that in the book, but basically if you kind of go through that whole process, then you're really taking more accountability and responsibility for who you are and how you show up in the world. Uh, that is just incredible. Now, as you heard in our introduction, we're all about personal responsibility. <laughs> and that's because I learned this the hard way for many, many years of my life, especially in the corporate world, I did not take personal responsibility. How, Jenny, can employees take personal responsibility for their own professional happiness? Yeah, I think it really all starts with knowing thyself, you know, really understanding what in each of these situations, what you're bringing into the situation, what in the environment is good or bad for you. Um, and that means that you're really having a, a good sense of what you can control versus what others can. You know, it comes really right back to take care of the things that you actually have within your uh, ability to influence. And then notice when the things that are outside of your control, what can you do to either shift that situation, get out of the situation? I heard a, a ton in my interviews of toxic workplace scenarios. So how can you get out of that piece? But how much are you contributing to that versus how much of it is, is someone else? So that really starts with knowing yourself and knowing how much you're bringing into the equation versus whether you're surrounded by others that are in that same situation. Um, the, and then the other piece to it, there's a quote by Melinda Gates that I just love that if you don't set your own agenda, someone else will. Um, and I think earlier in my career, I would have thought that sounds, oh, that sounds too aggressive and, uh, you know, setting my own agenda. No, I'm here to help people. And, you know, but I think now what I would, what I would say is your agenda can be you know, healing, hope, and peace, right? That's your agenda, right? That's that's wonderful. Your agenda can be something that is generative for other people and that helps others, but it's that intention behind you actually saying, these are the types of projects I'm going to take on that generate hope, healing, and peace, or these are the types of things I'm going to do that creates value for people or helps others. And that same intention doesn't have to be greedy or arrogant, or, you know, it can be just you, you know, protecting, you know, what your purpose is, as opposed to letting someone else's purpose dictate your actions. Oh, what a great quote and what great tips you're providing this morning for us all. Now, I'm sure there's a couple of listeners out there who are in a tough job right now. It is early December. They're making some decisions for 2023. Are there times, Jenny, when someone can stay and make it at work at a tough job? Absolutely. Um, I, oh. And I strongly believe this because I don't think it takes leaving corporate America. I don't think it takes leaving your job. Um, I think it really takes that understanding of where that the tough is coming from. So are you in a situation where there's actually workplace abuse? Are you being yelled at every morning? Are you being you know discriminated against? Is there something that would we'd all look at it and say, 
that is abusive. You're in, you're being asked to commit fraud, whatever it is. Where you know where. And then, are there things that you know? If it's that that piece, you need to get out of. So let me just say that. And please, please leave that job. Um, but if that's the case, that's one scenario. Um, the other is really a little bit more in the middle, where there I I believe there's certainly bad actors out there, but I believe there's so many more people that are just unhealed in the world, and they're in positions of power, and they they don't know the pain that they're inflicting on others. And so really trying to understand what you can control in terms of setting personal boundaries around your time and your energy. Um, can you start to show up differently with that boss? Um, you know, can you, one, one thing I learned in this process was people treat you the way that we train them to, that you are, you will accept that treatment, right? So if you don't put up that boundary and say, you know, I know you're stressed boss, but I really can't have you speak to me that way or what have you, that that might continue without that person realizing that might just be the way that person speaks to everybody, you know? And so just understanding what part you can control um, in terms of boundaries around your time and energy and making some implicit trade-offs, like maybe you really need to stay in this job for two years because you have a family to feed and you've got a kid to get into college or rent to make. That's a very real constraint and you need to be understanding of that. But how are you going to protect your peace outside of work so that it, you don't come home and unleash that anger and pent up resentment onto your family? How are you going to detox and actually take care of a little bit of your soul so that you don't take on all of that toxicity? And those are the things that I think are so important or, um, when we're swimming in these toxic environments sometimes. Uh, no question about that. It's interesting because uh, one of the things that I've read recently, and I'd really like to get your opinion on this, there are some people who think work can potentially be an addiction. What do you think about this? And if so, can we even heal this, Jenny? Yeah, so I think uh, work can be a substance abuse like any other substance abuse. And all it's doing is really filling or covering up either pain or emptiness or something else that might be going on inside of you. Um, and, and it becomes a band-aid like so many other things. So it can be that you have lost touch with the people in your house and you get a lot of validation out of going to work. And so people there respect you and it's easier, right? It can be that you've got this on switch in you of being productive means that you're good and you're valuable and not doing, not working hard means you're weak. And so I'll just push more and more of myself into the job. And so I think the first step is just understanding what, what is it that's drawing you to work? Is it replacing some emptiness? Is it covering up from some pain? Um, and just like any other substance abuse, you know, you go through those same steps to try to recognize what's happening and then make healthier choices. So I, I personally believe that's what it is. I think, um, I'll be really interested in 50 years time if we repeat the the radio show. Um, there's probably a lot of things that we take for, you know, as um, as part of our culture that really are people, you know, covering up from pain. You know, they still haven't figured out there's not a gene they've isolated that makes somebody an alcoholic, for example. There's no genetic predisposition that they've at least been able to find yet. So that makes me wonder, well, are, are people who have, you know, problems abusing alcohol using that to cover up some pain or to feel some loneliness in them? And that might be in, in addition to going to an actual, you know, uh, drying out program. Maybe there's some underlying things that they need to actually, you know, think through. And so I, I would think of work in the same way. If you find yourself pulled towards it, 
there's nothing wrong with hard work, but if it's covering up a piece of your identity, if it's becoming some almost like a, a mini God in to itself, you have to ask yourself why. This reminds me very much uh, coming into the brothers after a 30 year career. I went through an extensive training process naturally. And in one of the sessions, they talked about because we live with other brothers. If you or another brother is expending an extraordinary amount of energy and time at work, that's a bit of a red flag that something we're not getting something amongst ourselves from where we're living. And uh, we should check in on that, certainly, whether it's ourselves or if it's one of the other brothers. So, boy, this makes perfect sense. Uh, no doubt about that. Sorry to say time is getting a bit short. We've only got about seven minutes, but we've got some important questions to still ask you. I've got a feeling there's a few listeners out there, 2023, Jenny, they're looking to shift careers. And I know this can be challenging, but I know someone of your role probably has some great tips. Share with us about this, please. Sure. I think it starts there um, with looking at what your actual purpose is and what are the things that light you up. Um, when I say that, I will just acknowledge when someone asked me that before I did this work, I would freeze and say, oh, gosh, I don't have like one passion and one purpose. And that's OK. I don't think that you're necessarily not everyone's going to find their purpose at the given time when when someone asks that question. And, you know, hopefully we're changing as humans and you reserve the right to grow and and uh, and rediscover that. But the the um, the piece I like to look at is looking at there's actually a Japanese term for it called Ikigai. And it's looking at the intersection of what your purpose is, is actually what the world needs, plus what you love, plus what you can be paid for and what you're good at. So those four things, if you looked at a Venn diagram of what's in the middle, usually that gives you a better sense of kind of what you're, you're looking for. So I would start there because if you can anchor in whatever you're doing and what feels purposeful to you, um, then you can decide, you know, at layer on salary requirements and all of those other things, industry and everything else. But starting with something that brings meaning is going to be key. Um, I think that that's the first part I would do. And the second is once you do that purpose, see if you can't find that within your own job. Um, can you create that meaning and purpose in the role that you're in? Can you find another role in your company? And, and that makes it a little less scary for people who are saying, I want to find this new job, but I've got these you know, requirements to take care of my family. But if sometimes what it is, about 50% of the people I work with actually wind up staying in their company. They just find more meaning in the job that they're doing or in another type of role. So those are the two things I would say. Wow. I want to expand on the second one, please. So someone is in a position and you're sharing with them to add to the position or uh, to maybe take on a project. What does that look like? Yeah. Yes. Um, so often it's um, it's shifting the role itself. So maybe they're a marketing coordinator, but they're working in a scenario that um, they're not being given a lot of autonomy or they're having to do dead end projects or what have you. Sometimes it's just taking that same function and going to work in a different division for a different boss. Um, sometimes it's they've lost touch in burnout in particular, they've lost touch with what lights them up about their job. And so once we've done the work to say, well, can you find purpose? You're not just a marketing coordinator. You're sharing the stories that actually help people build trust in this company, or you're sharing stories and messages that help people find hope or whatever it might be. 
Um, then if they are able to reframe what they do, they're able to tap back into kind of the spark that lit them up about their job in the first place. Oh, that's incredible. No doubt about that. We've only got, unfortunately, about four minutes, but uh, I've got to ask you this question because thank God for Monday is about hope and peace and about healing. Help us out in 2023. What does corporate America need to do to heal Jenny Blumenthal? Yes, um, <laughs> a lot of perspectives on this, but honestly, it becomes really simple. We need to be more human. You know, we have all of the things that we need inside of us to actually heal corporate America. And honestly, I would love nothing more than for this book and this work to serve a tiny piece towards healing the C-suites across North America, um, I think, and, and across the world. But I think part of it is really helping people build those human cultures. Like I said, I do think there's some bad actors, but I think most people just have no idea that they're looking at the world through this lens of survival and all of the things that they're doing are they're they're making decisions on profit and and increasing you know revenue for certain groups and not others are pushing everybody for these hard targets because they believe that others need to survive too as opposed to helping us all shift into thriving and and actually tapping into what the rest of our capabilities are when we're not just these human robots that are are dedicated to work so I think it's about building cultures that have trust, that where we model, you know, respect for each other, uh, where we have impact instead of just looking at outputs and productivity, uh, where we actually help people live by their values and where we really model empathy. So I think really it's taking the most human parts of us and bringing that into the workplace that's actually oh. going to build corporate America. Oh, that's so Franciscan and so beautiful. <laughs> Jenny, we've saved the most important question for last. From where can our loyal listeners purchase Corporate Rehab? How can our listeners best follow you for some more and more nuggets? Absolutely. So the best place is to go to my website, which is corporate-rehab.com. And you can buy the book there. You can look at the coaching packages. I'm doing a ton of speaking. If you have a company where you need me to say some of these messages so you don't have to, I'm happy to do that. Um, and then I'm also on LinkedIn, Instagram, and starting a little bit on TikTok. So we'll... Uh, please check me out there. Listeners, no excuse. It is the month of holidays. This book makes a fabulous holiday gift. We as Franciscans, we don't hold on to the good. We share the good. You're buying one for yourself. You're buying one at least for someone else. Because as Jenny says, we need healing in the workplace. And this book will go far in bringing you healing and bringing someone else healing for 2023 as we proceed into the new year, certainly. So please take full advantage of following Jenny on these great sites and buying this great book. Jenny Blumenthal, we can't thank you enough for a wonderful conversation today. You've enlightened us much more. You've inspired us. We need to be much more intentional about healing in the workplace, about taking personal responsibility, about paying attention to burnout for ourselves and others. We wish you continued joy, success, a great contribution the rest of this year and, of course, into 2023 and beyond. Thank you so much, Greg. My same to you. Thank you so very much. Listeners, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Jenny Blumenthal does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. Until next week's episode, have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>